Telestory Hive is back with an entirely new edition. This time, they're focused on documentary filmmakers who have the opportunity to apply for one of 30 $50,000 grants and distribution on select TELUS platforms. The best part is that you get to make the content you want and you retain all the rights to your produced work. Very cool. Eligible projects must be Canadian citizens or permanent residents of Canada and reside in BC or Alberta. You can submit your pitch anytime between now and July 3rd, and you can find out more at storyhive.com. ATSI Local 212 represents over 1,000 artists, technicians, and craftspeople working in Southern Alberta's entertainment industry. In the screen industry, they service projects with budgets ranging from $100,000 to $100 million. Recent increases to local production volumes have led to increased outreach and training. They promote respectful workplaces, safety, fairness, and first-rate benefits for their members. Local 212 is open to partnering with other industry stakeholders on training and marketing initiatives. They offer an informative set etiquette course each month, which is open to all. To learn more about them, please check out their website at iatse212.com or like and follow them on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Happy podcasting! Welcome to the Alberta Filmmakers Podcast. Scott, you're Scott Westby. I'm Scott Westby. You're Matt Waterworth. Uh, we are a small part of Full Swing Productions. And every week we bring you, the Alberta film community, news, tips, and interviews. Uh, and just, you know, general knowledge about uh, the Alberta film industry. Oh, yeah, we do. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, we do. Um, I'm watching this TV show, uh, second season of I'm Dying Up Here. Have you heard of this? No. It's on Showtime. It is executive produced by Jim Carrey, and it is all about kind of the the explosion of stand-up comedy in the 70s. Oh. Um, and it stars Melissa Leo, who, of course, is an Oscar winner. And narrative? Is, narrative? Yeah, yeah. Show, yeah. But, like, plays off of real things that right, of course. are happening, right? Like, right. Um, who's been in it? Uh, like, Muhammad Ali was just, like, was in the comedy club just watching comedy. Because, and it's set at Goldie's, which was a real comic, uh, real comedy, you know, place in L.A. in the 70s. And it was kind of the... It was kind of known as like the the farm team for comedians ready to go and do something. Usually that being Carson, right? right? So that's where Carson would look to find new new talent, cool. comedy, stand up comedians, and he would have them on the show. And and of course, so from this perspective, it's like those comics who are all jealous of each other getting that opportunity. And 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 like does Carson famously would sometimes invite comics to come and sit down and and get the, and you got you got the couch, right? And sometimes you would not. Um, and so, uh, there's a bunch of really hilarious people on it and, um, uh, yeah, the second season is somehow better, I think, than the first one. Um, and who joined the, I'm trying to remember his name. Uh, he was on, he was the big brother in, um, uh, oh man. Uh, nope. Don't got any. Lost. <laughs> Gone. Uh, the big brother in, uh, everybody loves Raymond. Oh Yes. Yes. So he, is, I love that guy. He is playing. I think probably like most people are. I th- I think caricatures or combinations of real people. Right. Yeah. That um, makes sense. Anyway, his character's name is Roy. I'm sure. I'm just haven't done the research, or I'm too dumb to know that he's like this famous comedian or or is playing that role. He Brad Garrett. Brad Garrett and Brad Garrett. Goddamn deserves the Emmy for oh, yeah? his performance this Fuck. season has been unbelievable. So. Anyway, huh. that's where I'm at. I'm watching Queer Eye. Oh, are you? Yeah, yeah it's I've been so good, man. It's so good. It looks good. How did that come about? Do you know, like, like why season one happened? It was huge. Yeah. And then it takes, what, 15 years, 10 years to... 
Well, season two? no, no. It's, it's season two is now out on Netflix, but it's a oh. new group of of five men. I thought season two was what everybody's talking about right now. Season so. two, is, yeah, because it just came out on Netflix. Right, okay. Yeah, so but, that's the new group. Yeah, but se- season one was also the new group, and that was last year. Oh, okay. yeah. So it's like a reboot kind of oh, from right, right. from the show that existed okay. like yeah, ten fifteen okay. must be fifteen years ago now. Okay, but the show that existed fifteen years ago. It was great. I watched it as well. Yeah. And it was more about, it was like a makeover show. It really was. It was yeah. about how to dress, you know, how to groom yourself. Um, I, I learned that you don't apply your hair gel at the front. That's right. That back show. to front. It's back to front. Yeah. Gel. I've learned that since watching <laughs> Queer Eye. I'm also, I'm, I'm rocking the French tuck right oh, now. Okay, and okay. so I'm, you know, like you tuck it in at the front, but nowhere else. Right. Um, but, but, but this, this new kind of iteration of it, um, is way better. Um, hmm. It's it's not about a makeover. It's not about like you know changing your your space and and, and cleaning your life up. It's about confidence oh, okay. and finding self worth. Um, and yes, they wow. make you over, but it's more about like instead of being like, oh, this is this is all got to go. They actually sit down with the person first, and they're like, what is important to you here, and who are you, and they learn about them, right? And then they you know they'll make a space that. Um, that fits with who they are and they'll, they'll, you know, they'll teach them how to, you know, cut their hair and, and, sh- and shave and groom themselves in a way that fits their personality. Not just like, ah, you can't wear a beard. It's like, you actually should be wearing a beard because right. you know, that, that suits your face. Right. Um, but it's, it's totally about like, um, like, it, like last season, um, they helped, they helped a gay man come out of the closet to his, mm. to his mother or wow. stepmother. Whoa. Um, That's heavy. I just watched an episode with a, with a transgendered man that they, that they made over. And so they, they really touch on some, uh, deep issues, like not mm. issues, but like deep, personal right, right, stuff right. um and really at the end of the day it's it's more of a confidence show hmm. it's awesome and it's a lot of fun and that they're just good. the nicest nicest men and uh it's really yeah it's good to watch i was uh i was uh, your your friend and mine jesse lipscomb was was just was just just took a picture of himself in tears having watched uh, an episode yeah it, i two. yeah i tear up almost every episode yeah, 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 yeah. yeah it's it's really quite touching cool. um yeah, just it's one of those like shows that you actually feel good watching. Right, yeah, right. feel good about it because um, it's heartwarming. That's anyway, great. nice tangent. Mm-hmm. We did it. So that's the episode. Uh, thanks for joining us, everybody. <laughs> it's just what are we watching? Bye. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, what is going on in the world uh, of Alberta film and television news, Scott? Well, uh, Telefilm Canada has released some gender parity statistics for feature film production funding. Um, so they, they made a commitment that we, we chatted about a little while ago yeah. that they want to hit a balanced production portfolio by 2020. That reflects gender parity uh, in the key roles of director, writer, and producer because historically, um, obviously, it was not balanced. Uh, and it still isn't uh, in the larger budgets, but the, what they've just released, um, you know, they're, they're bar graphs. You should probably just go have a look at them. But it's encouraging that in the, uh, in the Talent to Watch program, uh, it seems like they're they're above gender parity, so so there are yep. more women uh, being funded uh, as in well as in key roles in these key roles, yeah. Um, and then documentary as well. Seventy five percent of them are are have women in the screenwriting role, mm-hmm. which is great. Still a little bit lo- below parity uh, in 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 the, like the the larger funds, um, which they identify in this uh, press release that they sent out, um, and they know that they need to uh, continue to work better. Um, they're also saying, of course, that. Um, it, it you know it is an industry issue a little bit right now that the industry needs to be stepping up at these budget levels with right. projects that are uh, female driven right so hopefully uh, that continues to go in this direction and we'll see parity by 2020 that'd be great cool 
Uh, so uh, I was I was I was deep in those bars. Yeah, I know they're uh, they're fun. <laughs> so uh, yes, this is a big big news. Recent news that uh, the talent to watch recipients for 2018 have been announced. Uh, and there are 20 projects selected from Ontario, 11 from Quebec, five from BC, three from Nova Scotia, two from Manitoba, and one each from Alberta, New Brunswick, Newfoundland, and Labrador, and uh, the Yukon. Um, so that's kind of uh, not as fun as I'd hoped for Alberta. Um, yeah, it's yeah, I agree. It's it's unfortunate for sure. Um, it seemed that previously they had been more concerned about making sure that every province got you know decent representation um and it seems like they're making it clear that uh i guess the ontario applications are are uh, a higher priority um but we don't know how that works of we course not yeah we don't know what's what those conversations are in those yeah. rooms um and yeah i mean it's still obviously uh there's a project happening in alberta that was not happening yeah you know sure. last week Absolutely. so it's you know definitely don't not looking a gift horse in the mouth um and it's fantastic for sure hopefully so, we can get some more alberta projects next year yes so congratulations to that project uh being written and directed by ted stenson and produced by lewis liskey uh, film they're making called events transpiring before during and after a high school basketball game and uh that was a recommendation through the calgary society of independent Fem- filmmakers yay yeah, I don't want to position this like bad news. It's great. It's no, great news, sure, and, and, sure. and you know, it's it's we know firsthand that it's really hard to to get this this program, um, like any movie, getting any movie made. So you know, it is a, a huge congrats to uh, to these folks. Um, it's amazing, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, reach out if you want to know how we screwed up because we did <laughs> a lot of times. Uh, yeah, and I mean, there's yeah, we I think main point being we just you know I I, I made assumptions assuming that okay, well if if the number of selected projects is going up, that means everybody is going to, to go up. And so, yeah, uh, you know, we don't know the inside story or the inside scoop. And, uh, and so I, I maybe shouldn't have made that assumption, but, uh, hopefully, uh, more projects to come as that program continues. You know what they say when you assume Matt, yeah. you don't, don't do it. That's what they say. <laughs> they say a swear. <laughs> um, so two pieces of news back to back that are actually the same piece of news. Uh, recently the, uh, Edmonton screen industries office, the ESIO, um, pitched to city council to ha- create an investment fund. Uh, and just yesterday, um, the 26th of June, yesterday that we're recording this, mm-hmm. uh, that was approved by city council. So it's a $3.9 million fund, and it is hoped uh, that it will revitalize Edmonton screen industries through intellectual property development, financing of productions, and attracting and retaining industry talent within the region. So mm-hmm. Awesome. Super yeah, awesome! It's it's good news. Yeah, sure. really excited to uh, to see how this progresses. But uh, yeah, we've got some links to those articles in the show notes. If you're in Edmonton or area uh, making films, definitely want to be checking this out and, and keeping a close uh, finger on the pulse of this because uh, it will certainly affect your life. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, yeah, not to again, not to look a gift horse in the mouth. Mouth. This is really uh, positive news, um, but I, I I worry that it's not really enough. Um, right. Yeah. And so hopefully it's just hopefully the beginning. Yeah. Of, the start of something more. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. I mean, the, the challenge I think is to, is to make sure that that investment, um, produces results. And I, and I think it's, it's going to be challenging to produce results that will encourage continued development, uh, um, at that number right. or amount, but, sure, but sure. you know, I, I don't know every, you know, especially in video gaming and, and, and other screen industry areas, they're, they're maybe a better bang for the buck. Um, and that'll hope you know, build. Yeah. I think we're, I think we're in an interesting time right now where we're seeing a lot of, of grants being given out, um, 
at a, at around a hundred thousand um, dollars that you know that expect uh, you know the filmmakers to be able to create a, a bit of a large budget out uh, out of that. But you know the films, a lot of the films that are getting made play in that you know two fifty to five hundred thousand dollar Canadian space. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just can't I can't imagine those films will be commercially successful. Right. Yeah. It, you know, in the sense that they actually they might they might make their budgets back. Um, but as far as like you know being being you know a a poster child for this micro budget thing, I don't know. I don't know how that's going to go. I'm yeah. really curious yeah. to see. You know, I think it's you know they're taking more of a shotgun approach because they can now historically that was that was an you know they couldn't afford to take an approach like that to right. filmmaking. Right. And so now they are. Um. And you know we're we're seeing the benefits of that. You you know us personally we're we're now able to make those films when we weren't before. Right. Um. So yeah, I think we're right in the middle of that and we'll see if this continues to be a strategy moving forward in the future or if they start to focus more on larger productions or not. Right, right. Who knows? Yeah, all right. We'll see what happens. Uh, did you want to chat about uh, In Plain View and Jones? Yeah, a okay, bit? a little bit, yeah. So uh, we'll get back to the In Plain View corner. We haven't brought it around yeah, in a while. Yeah. Um, and you know, we've heard from people that they want to hear from us a little bit more, so we're trying to to do that. Yeah. Um, and people specifically have been asking about In Plain View. What's going on with it? Uh, when can they see it specifically? Uh, and the answer is soon. We don't have an official date yet, but um, we are currently living in a bit of a world where we're uncertain what Canadian distribution looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, we have some parties that are interested in it, uh, and Telefilm is, is you know has a big voice to play in in what that's going to look like. So we're we're chatting with them. Obviously, I can't get into too many specific details, but. Uh, hopefully we'll be finding out what it's going to look like very soon here. And that is going to inform what our premiere looks like. Uh, and then what our Canadian distribution strategy uh, will spin out of that. So I, yeah, I, I'm telling people soon is the answer yes, as soon yes. as we can. Yeah. Um, I think, I think it's safe to say fall at the very latest. Yeah, for sure. Point. For sure. Um, at some point, you know, we're just going to rent a theater and yeah, just, you know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, tell everyone, come see it. Um, but you know, obviously a premiere is a big deal. Um, you know, it's a chance to invite some, some press, um, sell some tickets and you know generate some buzz for the film. So we don't want to we don't want to waste it by just showing it and then be like, great, now you know it's done. For sure, uh, we want to make it part of a larger distribution strategy. So yeah, that's where we're sitting there. Yeah, cool. And I, you know, it's uh, I guess it's a it's a, maybe a podcast exclusive that we're we're gonna say we are shooting our next feature film Yay! in September of 2018, which is very exciting. Yeah. Um, and, you know, probably that's going to be public news through the fact that we're doing some auditions very soon. Um, and our- I know Abracadavers was just publicly announced. Uh, yeah. 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 Through, well, yeah. I mean, if you, if you have gone to the Calgary Film yeah. Center website, you would have seen us on that list for uh, a number of weeks now. Um, and, and, but, but I think, yeah, the fact that we're shooting and when we're shooting, uh, yeah, we're going to be doing some casting, um, and, uh, letting that kind of part of the community know very soon here. Just got an email from our casting director, um, (gasps) just before she puts that out into the world. So yeah, very exciting, uh, for us. You'll be directing. I will be directing. Producing this one. Yeah. We get to switch roles, which will be, uh, scary for both of us. (laughs) I'm sure we'll we'll look across the table at each other every once in a while and be like, oh fuck, I get it. (laughs) I get it. Totally. Uh, so yeah, that's, uh, that's where that is. I mean, right now, what does that mean? You and you and Kevin have been working on the script. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. We've Um, been, uh, yeah, we spent months, months and months just, um, at a table going over every single line of dialogue and, um, I just needed to get into his brain Yeah, and, and, you know, really understand where everything came from. Uh, and that took way longer than I expected, but it was, it was a really fascinating process and I wouldn't, I wouldn't make a movie without doing it in the future. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's cool. you know scripts got kind of locked, and now we're uh, going into all that fun stuff, locations and crewing up and casting and absolutely. So yeah. we will have more, much more to share and and uh, and say about that as the weeks move forward. Um, and our guest this week on the show is Cowboy Smith X, who is working on a project. Uh, he's he wears a lot of hats. He does. He so. does. Um, and one of them, one of the projects that, uh, we wanted to talk about for sure is that this weekend is, uh, I think it's at least the second, I think he's done a few of them, perhaps, uh, we'll, we'll find out when we chat with him, uh, uh, of this Norfoot labs, uh, kind of filmmaking labs for, uh, well, we'll, we'll let him speak. Yeah, let's let him talk about it. Yeah. (laughs) So this is probably the first time that we're, we're chatting with someone that we've literally just met seconds ago. I, for me, it was Cam Chapman last week, but right, you, right, yeah. one of us usually kind of has some previous, has met the person yeah, before. Yeah. Hi, how are you? <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. It's a, it's a beautiful uh, sunny day. Who it really sure is. is better than us here today, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah that's true. That's right. Um, uh, we were doing a little bit of research about you and, and we've certainly been aware of you um, because you've been, you've been very busy lately, um, but you are so many things. You wear so many different hats. Mm-hmm. Tell us about kind of a, an overview. Yeah, I guess, you know, I'm, you know, working on so many different projects yeah. right now. I guess my primary role is I'm the artistic director of the Inestsi Treaty Arts Society. Now, Inestsi is a Blackfoot word that um, loosely translates to uh, peacemaking, community building. Um, you know, it's an inherited responsibility that, you know, my ancestors set forth when we signed treaty in 1877 here in Treaty 7. Mm-hmm. Um, to, you know, try our best to make society a better place. And what better way to do that than through storytelling? So yeah. at a very young age, I recognized that I knew that I knew that storytelling was going to be a, play a big role in my life. And I actually started in radio back in 1994. I was just a 12-year-old kid who really? had a gig on the local community radio station awesome. with a Saturday night show. And That's we amazing. Didn't, we didn't have any money at the time, okay. so I had to change my voice to like... <laughs> To you know, sound like to, no, well, no, to, to change, play other characters, to play all these different yeah. characters, different you know, disc jockeys and wow. all this stuff, and that's great. That experience was was you know was definitely a keystone in my development in in deciding eventually after I I, I left um, my pursuits in criminology and other academic pursuits to take on a more artistic mm-hmm. approach to my career. So I went cool. to theater school in two thousand five oh. in Vancouver oh. and followed up right right away with uh, training in Los Angeles. I did two summer programs at UCLA Fox Studios. Wow, and uh, Loyola Marymount as well. Cool. Wow. Oh my God! How were those? That sounds just awesome. To even unpack all that is a ton. Yeah, yeah, that was great. I mean, that that's actually you know part of what we're I want to jam with you guys about is this upcoming uh, film program. Of course, that, yeah, yeah. That we're uh, that we're working with uh, with our good friends at uh, Tell Us Story Hive. Right, mm-hmm. they're affiliates of yours oh, yes. as well. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, as you know, this film uh, Elder in the Making that came out a few years ago, we produced that with the help of Tell Us Originals. And we've just, you know, we've had a uh, a very strong relationship with mm-hmm. with Telus, especially the StoryHive team. That's you know Lizzie Carp, Megan Lau, um, our new friend there, Alfred, who's helping us with the capacity building wing of uh, of all of these initiatives. So, you know, it was it was 2006. I was in Los Angeles taking this you know intense crash course at UCLA, and um, I you know I was just like I was so thankful to be there. I was like I never dreamed I'd be you know be in Hollywood and 
you know, be on live sets, being, you know, be it, you know, uh, doing all this work yeah. at the studios. Like we got to go to Warner Brothers and the studio. Fox, Fox Backlot, like Universal Studios. What's the, what's, what are the, what was the nature of those programs? Like what were they designed was, to do? It was crash course. Like right. it was like fundamentals. Like we only had a, a few weeks to, uh, to do some like training and class training. Then we had to go out and do assignments. Okay. Um, how, so, long, how long were they? Uh, so you did two there, right? I did two, uh, three week sessions. Two, three week sessions. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So they brought back the students who adva- who did the best in the previous, like, uh, eight sessions. Oh, cool. I was one of them. Got it. So Sweet. they brought us back in 2007 and, uh, there was no training component to that. We were sent right to the, um, newsroom at Good Day LA and given assignments to just come up with a show from scratch. Wow. So like, well, you guys are the hot shots who came out of the earlier programs and see what you can do. Right, right, right. So that kind of experience, that I, that's actually what informed me to leave Los Angeles. I didn't feel like there was a real community there. As mm. you know, Hollywood is a big machine. Sure, sure. And everybody that I was meeting, it was just this really interesting energy of like hyper competitiveness. Yeah. You know, roommates, best friends, they wouldn't share like, you know, numbers and contacts for casting directors or producers. <laughs> really? you wow. Know. You had best friends competing with each other, and huh. that vibe was everywhere. And right. everyone down there is an actor, a producer, a sure. shooter, something, right? It's it's the sort of the. It's totally a different world. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. It's a monster down yeah. there, and you know, it's it's a beautiful place. Mm-hmm. The smog sucks, mm-hmm. right? But um, what I realized is, you know, I really want to be part of a community, right? right? I want to, I want to go back to Canada and um, and do some more training. I, went, I actually went to uh, Capilano to do a little bit more training. Um, on a technical side. Right. And you know, that, that was the one thing that I really wanted to make sure that I, you know, a lot of my work would contribute to building community. And I love what you guys are doing with this mm-hmm. podcast. I That's think, the whole point of it. Yeah. I think yeah. our intentions align. Yeah. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So, so you get, you get back to Calgary in 2005 or Actually, six or just or, last month. What? Okay. I've been on the road. Yeah, you've been traveling a lot. Yeah, you know, based in Vancouver mostly. Right. Um, yeah. I've done done a lot of work out east in Toronto. I've worked in Winnipeg. Worked all over the place. Wow. And um, but I mean, this is home for me. Yeah. Where I grew up, and I just you know, I really, I really, honestly want to like my intentions are very sincere in that I want to see Alberta's film industry thrive. Mm-hmm. I really do believe we have such a huge opportunity with the beautiful landscape. You know, I, as an indigenous filmmaker, I have a much different relationship with this land right. than the average filmmaker. Sure, you know, yeah. there's, there's ceremonial process. Right. We have traditional names for all of these places. There's migration uh, lines and there's, there's traditional territories for the clan systems that predate, you know, contact even. Um, so for me, there's a lot of resonance in the beauty and the power of this place. Right. And I, you know, now that now that I've been able to witness the the talent pool develop and grow over the last twenty years, I'm very excited. I'm excited mm-hmm. to see what's going on here in Alberta. Um, there's there's tons of talent. There's some great people. You know, one of my one of my favorite collaborators actually we started around the same time was Aaron Bernakovich. He's oh, yeah, a yeah. very good friend. I considered him family, and uh, we've been we've been going at it full steam, you know, since, you know, the mid 2000s when right. I was shooting super 16, super, right, right. super eight films yeah, in yeah, those yeah. days with CSIF. Actually. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, there's some great people in this community. We've got a great landscape. I mean, the diversity of Alberta is crazy. No it could doubt. play anything. It's amazing. It know? does play. Yeah. It, it plays, plays almost anything. everything. Yeah, almost, right? yeah. It yeah. plays Mars. But and, it yeah. doesn't ever rarely, it rarely plays Alberta. It's right. true. And that's something <laughs> I, that's something I want to fix. Right. Yeah, for sure. Cause for Alberta's sure. got a crazy history that not many people um, ever bother to, you know, explore right. 
and, and give, it, give us a peek into that. Yeah. Like, what, well, I mean, let's just talk about the treaty, for example. Yeah. I worked on this, um, I worked on this uh, theater project with the late Michael Green yes. um, called Making Treaty Seven. Right. And we presented that at Heritage Park a few years ago. And then again at Mount Royal's Bella Concert Hall. But I mean, there's just so much rich history here in just this, just in Calgary alone, right. let alone, you know, the broader Southern Alberta area. Um, there's a great story in Okotoks. You know, the word Okotok in Blackfoot means big rock. Yeah. So that's what the big rock story right, is. Right. And that story is, um, is a story about our trickster, Napi, the old man, who was sent to us, you know, from the spirit world, from the creator to teach us lessons, right? Sort of cautionary tales. And um, one of the stories with Napi and the rock was, uh, it was sort of like um, this more moral lesson about, you know, uh, keeping your promises. So what happened was Napi gifted this rock, his, uh, his buffalo robe, in exchange for, you know, a place to rest. Long story short, um, he ended up taking this robe back because, you know, it got cold. Mm. He needed his robe back. Uh, he went back on his word, and this rock chased him across the plains. Uh. And he basically needed help from, you know, all of his, his animal brothers and sisters. So there's really interesting anecdotes like, uh, example, the bat, the bat, you know, the bat at one point had a beak like the crow, and all of these bats came swooping down in a flock to attack the rock, and that's why they have a squashed-looking face, right? <laughs> so there's these funny little stories, right, little right, teaching right. moments. There's so much rich history there with the Blackfoot, mm. you know, you know, with the Sutuna and the Dakota, the Cree, all over Alberta, the Dene in the north, um, you know, and I, and I believe that you know we have enough material, enough really great raw material for storytelling right. and composition that we don't need to be playing Wyoming anymore. Or, it's true. It's true. You know, the Midwest of the United States. Like we've got a great rich history here. And I've been collaborating with some other writers here in Calgary on um, a couple shows that we want to produce that are based in Southern Alberta, where right. towns, little towns like Brooks or Medicine Hat, mm-hmm. Calgary, about you know, Albertans, they will play themselves. Right, right, right. Because right. there's crazy history there. Totally. That yeah. not many people know. Like in social studies, I didn't learn about any of these things. No, we didn't Especially really. Especially yeah, treaty. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so for me, you know, I'm very excited right now about with what's happening in Alberta. Um, it's always good to see everybody's achievements at the MP Awards. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's, there's great things happening with the unions. The Calgary Film Center is a great resource for everybody. I mean, we're moving in a very good direction, a very totally. positive direction. Yeah. And I think there's just more, more of an attitude of collaboration, mm-hmm. at least than I, than I felt when I was starting. And that just might just be my own perspective, but yeah, people are willing to share now and willing to, you know, yeah. help each other out. And that, com- that competitive feel. Yeah. I haven't felt in a while here, I, I, but I did when I, when I started. Yeah. yeah I, totally. Like, oh, I, I, I did my own legwork. I'm not going to give you the shortcut to that. Um, and while I, I understand that to some degree, man, it, it would be better for everyone if we could all just kind of pool our knowledge and our resources and absolutely, yeah, of course, yeah. We're stronger together, absolutely. So, um, where where did where did your desire for storytelling come from? Just was it like obviously you were quite young when that became a thing? Yeah, for you. I mean, I th- you know a lot of it has to do with the experience of being very isolated. I grew up on the reserve and right. the Gunny Reserve and the Kainai Reserve. Where is that? Um, that's literally like 10 minutes west of Fort McLeod. Okay. Um, and then also, uh, from my, on my dad's side of the family near Cartston and a place called Bullhorn on the Southern part of the Kainai nation. So, you know, growing up in isolation, we didn't have uh, cable television, but right. we did have a big old TV with a big old VCR. 
And, um, you know, we, I grew up on a ranch, very isolated, like we had no neighbors, right. alone, pretty much an only child. I have siblings, but they grew up more in the city. And, you know, I had to entertain myself right. somehow on the weekends, or I'd have to go on long, boring trips with my grandparents. Mm. I chose to stay home <laughs> and, you know, go to the local video cinema in Fort McLeod. Right. And, you know, barter my way to two or three rentals for the weekend. And, you know, I would always decide on what my, uh, the, the curation of my program was based on the posters that I saw on the racks, right? Yeah. So if something looked interesting to me, I would say, all right, I'm, I'm going to give this a try. And most of it was crazy fluff. You know, a lot of those movies in the 80s, like the Gremlins and the oh, yeah. and all of that fun stuff. Um, there's a great movie actually shot here in Alberta that I absolutely loved growing up called Rad, the BMX bike yeah, movie yeah. that was shot in Cochrane. Yeah. Right. We we just talked about that with well, Aaron. Yeah, yeah. There was yeah, Aaron was telling yeah, us about it. Yeah. yeah, that's a great movie. I yeah. love that movie. Yeah. I want to actually I'm actually writing uh, some homage moments to that oh, sweet. some of my stuff. <laughs> yeah, I really I really enjoyed that film as a it's kid. Cool. I didn't know anything about it. No. I, yeah, I don't, I'd only heard about it recently. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's a nostalgic film for me. But, you know, just growing up in that situation where, you know, this is pre-internet, this is, you know, yeah, way course. back in yeah. the day, basically. Well, and it sounds like you're also not necessarily having a lot of impact from advertising or, or marketing, no. right? Like you're just... Yeah, no yeah, commercials. Picking based on the poster. Yeah, that's no cool. Commercials. Yeah. I mean, CBC was like this snowy haze on <laughs> right. Channel 10 right. we could barely see. Right. So I didn't have a lot of um, influence from the corporatocracy and what right. they were trying to sell me. Right. But definitely some very strange films. Why? I mean, I loved horror films at that time. And uh, fantasy films, like Never Ending Story is still one of my favorite right. films of all time. Hell yeah. And just, you know, that heavy influence of cinema and that experience of just going on this journey, mm. you know, mm -hmm. and being taken to a place far, far away from where I was growing up, right. you know, in, you know, impoverished situation, you know, dealing with a lot of racism in Southern mm -hmm. Alberta growing up in mm -hmm. the 80s as an Indigenous kid. It was a nice escape for me, right? right. And 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 I mean, like uh, in a lot of cases, these these storytellers, these filmmakers, like you know Stanley Kubrick, Zemeckis, Spielberg, these were kind of like my babysitters at that time, right? Right. And they, you know, I learned a lot from these uh, from these films. And my my grandparents, you know, they were very liberal about what I could and couldn't rent, you know. So I was, I, sh I probably saw a few movies I shouldn't have been seeing. Right. Like Exorcist. I mean, I right. saw that oh, when God. I was very young. I was yeah. like, I didn't understand it. Right. I didn't get what was going on there. Why is she so sick? <laughs> did, did they not have any Pepto-Bismol in those days? Like I was so confused by it, but right. it, eventually it did scare the hell out of me yeah, once I understood yeah. the context <laughs> with, the, with the demon and everything. Right? Yeah. But, um, but yeah, being raised by movies really at the end of the day, you know, and, and, and loving good stories, mm -hmm. listening to my elders tell amazing stories with all of their idiosyncrasies, right. the body language, you know, the interplay between English and Blackfoot language. I mean, I just, I really enjoy a good story well right. told. Cool. And and at what point did it start? Did you start realizing that movies uh, were made by people? And yeah, then, like there was yeah. a process there. Like yeah, what had totally. that journey? Totally. I, I definitely think where the solidarity bubble popped for me was when I finally watched Malcolm X. And the reason I picked that film, like, I mean, I had a, uh, you know, uh, plethora of of like basic kids movies i had i remember i rented the wizard of oz again i rented um uh some animated movie and the third one i picked was malcolm x mm. and if you remember in those days the poster was just this huge x, x right red x on and black it, i think and right, it yeah. was and it was um yep. it was a double disc so it was two vhs it was huge and i was right. like i think i'll tackle this one this weekend and see what see what this is all about 
And that movie absolutely blew my mind. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, you're going from watching, you know, little critters chase people around to this really heady political, uh, you know, at the crux of the civil rights movement, identity, politics. I mean, I never seen anything like this before. And that's when I started questioning my own like identity. You know, I'm an indigenous kid with the name cowboy and the last name Smith. Okay. This is, this is a really crazy, like um, identity moment, right, a watershed right. moment for me to like start asking big questions, big philosophical questions. And uh, from there, you know, I really started digging deeper, started watching some of Oliver Stone's work. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, and just trying to get as, as many documentaries I could get at the time. And just, you know, I ate it up that, you know, that was sort of. Was that a kind of shift into documentary for you? For Oh, yeah, for, for yeah. sure. Yeah. I mean, you know, I love a good narrative piece, sure. but documentary is, you know, there's so much you can do with both both of styles yeah. of storytelling. And for me, I just became fascinated with almost everything. And, you know, being out there, you know, way out there, like it's way out there. Like yeah. Even today, we don't even, we still don't even have cell service out there. Wow. Oh, my God. Um, so it's quite isolated. But at the same time, you know, I didn't recognize, I kind of took it for granted how um, zen everything was out mm. there. You know, I'm out on, on the prairies. It's very windy down there. It's big open plains. We're in the foothills. Um, no neighbors, no, like, you know, you can hear the, the highway in the distance. We, you know, we had horses and other animals running around, but I think having that lack of, uh, stimuli in the, my environment, but having so much stimuli in these movies that I was right. uh, downloading into my brain had a huge influence on me, um, making, you know, a, a tougher decision, an adult decision later in life. I didn't think I would ever wanted to. I think I could make films or right. tell stories. It was too much of a pipe dream. So I did took the conservative route, got into school for criminology. Mm. I wanted to study forensics and, you know, work with the work with the RCMP. Huh. My uncle was an RCMP officer. He was a huge inspiration for me. Um, that's a weird, that's a, that's a, I understand that path. Like where, where did that come from? That, that desire? Yeah. Well, I mean, was I was, it because your uncle, I guess, or? Well, my uncle was huge. Like I watched him graduate. Right. And then at the same time, there was a lot of, I mean, still to this day, there's still a lot of discrimination against right, of you know, people of color, indigenous yeah. people, yeah. you know, the Colton Bushy um, issue that just happened. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Tina Fontaine. I mean, there's just so much. It's still like relevant today. You know, it's not gone away. No, of course sure. not. You know, Canada yeah. still has a lot of growing up to do. <laughs> and I think filmmakers, you know, not only have a responsibility, but they have an opportunity to take, you know, their message to a, to a more meaningful place. Mm. Um, and we have, you know, we have such a crazy history in this country. Um, I think there's so much opportunity for filmmakers to explore that both in documentary and in narrative. You know, we don't need to emulate the Americans. We don't need to emulate Hollywood. Um, there are frequencies of the land we grew up in here in Southern Alberta, the, the prairies, British Columbia, Ontario, the North Quebec, Quebec's got a great, you know, great uh, community for cinema. Right. Well, they tap into their stories there, right? We have everything we need here. You know, Mm -hmm. we have it now. We have, now we have the capacity to get to that level and even transcend the highest level because we're finally embracing a dark history, but also, you know, there's so many triumphant moments and there's so many great stories like the treaty story, which is essentially the activation of every every citizen of this area is that we all have to work together to right. make the world a better place. Like, I mean, what more do you need for intention than something like that? Right. So that's why I created that nonprofit organization 
Um, and that, and that's, you know, all of the programs that we run have that, that controlling idea, the alignment of that particular intention, which is the spirit and intent of the treaty, which is a pipe ceremony called inestsi or inestsisen. And that translates to, you know, maintaining the peace, but not just with our, our fellow human beings, but with, you know, the earth, with the environment, right. with the animals, with the universe. And, you know, frequencies of the land, we've known for thousands of years that this this area in particular, Mohinstis, Calgary, it, it, it floods to the extreme mm-hmm. every, you know, 100, 200 years. And right. we've known that. We've had that intelligence and research and, you know, imprint and stories for thousands. And when this happened, when was this, 2013? Yep. Yeah. Big flood. I mean, you know, we've been warning people forever. <laughs> high, there's a reason high river is high river. Right. I mean, right. in, in Blackfoot, <laughs> it's Spitzi. It's high moving water. Right. And, you know, we've been sitting in the wings, our elders say, we've been sitting in the wings for long enough. It's time for us to step out and share our voice and share our story because it is our collective story and we have to embrace it. Hmm. It's exciting to me. It's not problematic at all. No, and that, that, that leads me to Red X Talks as well. Sure. Because I, I was watching your your opening conversation and and so maybe tell the audience what that's all about so you all know what ted is right yeah, sure talks technology entertainment and design established in 1983 silicon valley this bought by bought by chris anderson in the early 90s turned into the ted conference which now become ha, has become this great platform ted talks i'm still a huge fan yeah definitely yeah we created this program called red talks in response to the need for a platform for indigenous people to not only express their ideas on that type of speakers platform, but also activate the protocols upon which their cultures inform their voice. Mm. So, you know, we, you know, often at these um, events, we have prayers from the elders to open up. Uh, We acknowledge territories. We acknowledge people and clans. We acknowledge leaders in the area. There's certain calls to ceremony that need to take place that, that resonate and renew our relationship with each other, our relationship with place um, so there's just so much awareness about what's happening in the environment and the surroundings of the space. So we try to hold that space, maintain that space while we continue, you know, 10,000 years of tradition, which is an oral tradition. These stories that people share on the Red Talks platform are literally the uh, renewal process of that oral tradition. So some some smart ass was telling me, um, you know, you know, Ted's been around since 1983. You know, you guys are just ripping off that. No, actually, Red Talks have been happening for about 10 to 15,000 years. <laughs> right. right. In, just in, under a different name. In yep. Sundance, yeah. in Ceremony, in the Potlatch, in the Smokehouse. You know, these, you know, oral accounts are the way we, you know, these were our hard drives. Yeah. You know, yeah. these were our archives, yeah. oral yeah. traditions, stories, place names, renewal of ceremony. The, the migration of the people for within their own territories for winter camps, for summer camps. Um, so what we're doing is we're just taking uh, a, this contemporary platform and turning it on its head and activating the land upon which all of the work is being done. Cool. Wow. That sounds That's like a, a big project. <laughs> it's huge, actually. Yeah. You know, it started as an experiment, and right. now it's blown yeah. up. Right. Logistically, what does it look like? Like, when is well, it held? I mean, they're like, all different. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, they're all different. It depends on uh, what the themes. We've ex- explored themes in the arts and innovation. Um, we, I just did a language program last week in Ottawa, um, and you know, we're exploring everything. We're exploring, you know, the history. We're exploring stories. We're exploring relationship with land, and there's just there's so much to uncover and unpack right. there. And, you know, 
I didn't know what I was getting myself into when I started this thing. It was a, it was a an experiment, um, and with the hopes of actually solving some problems, creating some bridges. A lot of young indigenous people or young youth uh, grew up in the care system, so they've been completely disconnected right. from their communities. Right. And I'm like, how do I get? How do we get those? individuals connected because i mean there's a lot of anxiety there there's a lot of trauma there Mm -hmm. um and there's you know there's a lot a lot of shy kids in our communities a lot of identity questions too. where are they they're on their phones they're on the screens we need to you know intercept those screens and get these stories in front of them right so we needed a platform where it was going to be on their social media feed it was going to be you know in their emails it was going to be part of their social uh circles you know and and the response has been overwhelming, actually. Cool. Like we've, we've got invites all over the world. There's ind- indigenous people everywhere, all over the world. Yeah. Europe, Africa, Asia, Australia. So, you know, this little engine that could is now turned into an international thing. And, you know, I just wish we had enough more capacity to, 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 to handle the intake and requests that we're getting from all over the world. Wow. Mm-hmm. Awesome. I'm, I'm taking it. I'm doing a presentation in Paris in uh, September, uh, talking about how can we uh, start breaking down some of the stereotypes of indigenous people uh, from a European perspective. As you might know, there's a heavy influence uh, in Germany of the literature of Karl May, who actually, um, uh, when his books were published, Adolf Hitler was just a young boy, a young lad who read these adventure books about the Wild West in North America. And the romanticizing of indigenous people and indigenous life and all of those stereotypes have now led to entire tribes of people in Germany, mostly East and Northern Germany, who are emulating what it's like to be like a Plains Indian hmm. person. So wow. this, this picture, you know, a bunch of white looking folks yep. dancing around teepees and regalia and stuff. Right. You know, so there's a fascinating story there. And I'm, huh. I'm going over to Europe to explore a little bit of that. I'm presenting at, uh, at this book festival over there. And... Um, you know, there's, there's just so much to unpack and I won't be able to address it all in my lifetime. Right, right. Um, that's, you know, that's why I'm doing my best to support other storytellers um, to, you know, really activate the spirit of that treaty and collaboration, the spirit of collaboration, the spirit of community. Um, because at the end of the day, Alberta as one big fish is a very small fish in a big, big pond. Yeah, and if totally. we get our act together... We can be a very efficient fish. We right. can be a very productive fish, and we could rise above every other film community in the world. And that's what agree. I want to see. Yeah, we could. It's true. Um, so, speaking of uh, the the kind of uh, passing on of knowledge, you've got Norfolk Labs, which I think is a really great title. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah I, totally. It took me a while to get it, but I got it. Uh, <laughs> Um, so tell us all about that. And actually we, you know, we were just chatting with Aaron about it and he wanted to, he was, oh, nice. it all came together really quickly that, that we ended up being able to chat about it here. Awesome. Yeah. So Norfoot, as you know, right, we're, we're, we're considered Blackfoot. The English word for us is Blackfoot and it's right. a misnomer, right? Like we, we consider ourselves to be Nitsitapi people and Nitsitapi rough translation means real people. Cause you're one of two things in this life. You're either a hungry ghost or you're a real person. Hmm. And that's how we identify. We didn't identify based on skin color, right. gender. It was how you operated in the world and what you, you know, what what was your vision? What was the why behind all of the things that you do in your life? Right. And, you know, for us, we we recognize that, you know, um, English and French are the only two recognized um, 
languages in this country. When right. there's, you know, well over 600 dialects of indigenous languages that have been here for thousands of years. Wow. So we wanted to count coup on both the French and English right. languages and kind of have <laughs> some fun with this title. And of course, noir and yep. in en français is black. And foot is foot in English, right? But so also a genre of film, right? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. yeah. So there's all kinds of adjustment layers there. Right. And, you know, I'm a huge fan of film noir. And it just it's just one of those things when these when these epiphanies happen, you just kinda just gotta kinda smile about them. Like it's too obvious. <laughs> yeah. Right. right. So same thing with Red Talks. When that happened I, lo- I love it. Yeah. That was I ten years it. ago when that yeah. happened with Red Talks. Really? It's yeah. like I was just sitting there, I was working in downtown Eastside Vancouver with this youth organization called Kaya. And uh, we just finished the program. I actually had a film screening program there called Vital Knowledge. I would bring a documentary filmmaker in with their film. We'd screen it and we'd have a discussion with an elder and a community leader afterwards. Awesome. And those those dialogues, those meetups after the fact, you know, they they went on for three, four hours. And I was like, I need a platform for this. Right. Right. We need a platform for these stories, for these connections. And I was just sitting there. I just finished sweeping the floor of the office where we had our little screening. And it was like, I was sitting there, it was pouring outside. It was like one in the morning. I had a long walk home through the rain. I was dreading it. And it was like, we need our own Red Talks. <laughs> like, Ted is great. I love Ted. We actually presented at the TED Summit a few years ago oh, wow. to all the um, the global curators of the TEDx program, the community program. Cool. And that's where it kind of sparked all of these um, invites around the world. We're actually planning on going to Singapore, going back to Chile next year. And we're really working hard to work uh Get, get over to uh, New Zealand and work with the modern, right, modern course, yeah. people. It's amazing. So, you know, when you have these epiphanies, they're really funny. Like they're not these, you know, the clouds don't part, you know, it's not, there's no <laughs> epic music playing. It's like you're sitting <laughs> yeah. there, you know, chewing a stick of bubble gum or something, you know, and it just happens. And Noir Foot is something that I've, I've been pondering for a long time since I started training for film. It's like, how can we be more efficient with the time that we have? Mm. How can we, you know, what what does a student need? And I think a student, in a, a first-time student introduction to the industry and this work, you need hands-on experience immediately after you've learned something. You need That's to what be I able love to about apply this. Yeah. that That's smart. Yeah, immediately. So yeah. two days of workshops, um, introductory, very simple. We don't want to convolute it with you know, long lesson plans and curriculums that are set forth for four-year degree programs. We want to, you know, share what we're excited about with film um, in each department in editing and film and uh, cinematography, grip, set, etiquette. Um, and then let's make something. Yep. Let's take all of, you know, these, these stories that we're sharing, this introductory uh, workshop series, and let's do something. So we basically take... Uh, the last three days of the narrative labs to create these narrative labs, which are basically short films that have to be executed within a 72-hour period. And each team is given a genre assignment. Um, they're also given, uh, you know, a line of dialogue, some fun with props. Um, some uh, And the thing, the big thing we like to uh, play with is the undertone of the piece. Mm. And we randomly oh, draw these. We randomly draw these out, and we're like, "Okay, let's let's see what you guys can come up with as a team." It's ensemble theory, and that's the that's the type of theater that I took was ensemble. Okay, is how do you work within a team setting? How much do you assert your voice, and how much do you contribute to the to the collective? And that's something we try to really you know amplify with each of these teams. a lot of young people, but our facilitators are also tasked with breaking up into these teams and solving some of these problems. So it's a really nice way for the students to witness the facilitators learning something from each other. Uh, 
and you know problem solving on the fly. Interesting. And it's fun. There's no hard pressure here, right? Right. Tell us uh, story how it does not require us to finish these films. Mm. It's more about the experience, right? right? It's the ephemeral nature of production that you. It's hard to capture that yeah. when there's so much academia surrounding your whatever film school you might be taking, whatever technical training program you might be in. And if you don't like it after these five days, if it's not for you, then we're saving you from four years of hell in <laughs> yeah. film yeah. school, right? Yeah. So that's what's happening next week in Grand Prairie. Right. And This is the no, second time you've put this on, right? This yeah, we did yeah. the first one last year in Penticton. And these are, these are markets in British Columbia and Alberta that I believe TELUS wants to see more... Mm-hmm. Um, you know, more applications coming for their for their StoryHive envelopes. Right. Um, that's a great program. I love the StoryHive program. I think it's doing wonders. I mean, the, the, the tricky part about the StoryHive program is that I don't think it's really designed or geared towards the established filmmaker. Right. It's, a, it's an emerging exercise and mid-career exercise. Right. Because, you know, I think if you're still applying for some of these StoryHive grants and you've, you've done the big you know, the big feature films, you kind of established yourself, um, you know, you got to start considering what, what's the really, what's the real next big step for right. yourself as an established, more established filmmaker. But at the same time, if there's a fun project you just want to just do that, that, that you can pull off for $50,000, which is not a lot of money yeah. in, in terms of filmmaking, um, then do it, you know, go have fun with it. I think a lot of times, a lot of my peers in this industry forget why we got into this in the first place because right. we love it. And it was fun when we first did it when we were making home movies. Mm-hmm. And I want to bring some of that that energy back with these narrative labs. So, you know, I get I get the opportunity to work with some great professionals, accomplished professionals like an Aaron Bernakovich. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, some actors like Stacy De Silva and Nathaniel Arcan just signed up to run our, our acting workshops. Wow, cool. Um, and you know, really at the end of the day, I just want everyone to enjoy the process. Yeah. Make something fun. Bring that community together. Grand Prairie got some great contacts up there. Big shout out to my friends at CIA Solutions who are hosting us uh, for the week. And you know, at the end of the week, we're gonna uh, we're renting out the local theater there. Uh, we're bringing up uh, Commissioner Luke Azevedo to come oh, up and do a little sort of keynote to talk about the you know the state of affairs for the Fantastic. industry. We're gonna show some films, and then we're gonna finish the evening with the finished narrative labs, and hand out a, little, a few awards, you know, awards. Some, yeah, some high nice, some high fives yeah. and. Some popcorn awards or whatever and uh, and just have some yeah, like bring it back to why we why do we do this work? You know, I sure we have to sustain ourselves. We've got contracts, we've got dead deadlines sure, and deliverables. Yeah. Sure. But this is I want this to be an escape for all yeah. filmmakers. Mm. Whether you're established, if you're an established pro, we want you to come in and teach a few things to right. our students. Right. If you're a mid career and you want to learn a little bit more about editing, but you're strictly a shooter, come and jam with That's us. Cool. And if you're brand new, fresh Fresh green producer, filmmaker, storyteller. We want you as well because, right. you know, there's value in your perspective and lack of experience because you're not an old dog with no new tricks. Yeah, and right. you bring fresh ideas. And I, you, you touched on something too, just about reminding the more established filmmakers how easy it can be, mm-hmm. right? And how fun and, and, and freeing it can be because we all get bogged down in the process and, and oh, yeah. just trying to get to a green light. Mm-hmm. It's discouraging, right? And so just reminding him, like, all you need is, you know, an iPhone and you can go make something. Um, that's really cool. I think that's great. Yeah. One of the great things I like to resonate when, when you're having those crisis decision yeah. moments in production is, you know, Martin Luther King did not say, I have a plan. Right. He said, I have a dream. Mm. And if you go back to the reasons why you do this work, like, I mean, it is, it's not easy work. It's, it's 
stressful and strenuous. Like some, you know, I know people who sit in front of the uh, editing screen way too long. Like I know I certainly did. I stopped editing a long time ago. It was killing me. It was killing my soul. (laughs) So I don't edit anymore. I just stay away from editing altogether. But at the same time, you know, there's, there's certain people who absolutely love that world. Absolutely love sequencing something together. They love, you know, the organization process of, you know, whatever platform they're working at, Premiere, Final Cut, whatever it is, uh, Avid. I love working with those types of people who love what they do. Aaron Bernakovich is one of those guys. Like to be on set with him, problem solving through a situation. It's a great, it's a great vibe to be around people like that. Mm. And I want to create that environment with Noir Foot Narrative Labs. And we want to expand it. You know, we want to take it, you know, beyond Western Canada. It's something that I would like to see all over the place. And really it's it's a it's a call to Every type of filmmaker, no matter how established you are, how new you are, let's put you in a situation where you're out of your wheelhouse a little bit. You know, like I encourage my facilitators to, you know, try something new. You Mm -hmm. know, if you've not been in front of the screen, play a bit part in one of these labs. You know, like if you're if you're strictly an editor, why don't you why don't you light a scene for us? Mm -hmm. You know, like you know, I'm sure editor. I'm sure there's editors out there who just like bicker at like, oh man, I wish you know. This is a bad shot. I yeah, wish you yeah, gave me yeah. another take of this. But just know, being in someone else's shoes absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. totally changes your perspective. Absolutely. Even if it's just for a day or like an hour, just to sit in front of the camera and be like, oh, acting's really hard. <laughs> yeah. It can be. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. I have I have a lot of respect for actors because I mean there's so much technique there and yeah. there's so many different ways you can take it. And it can be annoying as an actor. I'm an actor too, right? I, my my original training in this crazy world was in theater and right. in film acting. Mm-hmm. So you know, when you're nailing it, when you got your lines, you're hitting your blocking, you're finding the light, you're nailing it for the director, but they didn't, they're out of focus. Right. Yeah. You know, they're out yeah. of focus. A card, we ran out of the card. Yeah. You know, yeah. Like, oh, there's yeah. a plane flying by, you know, whatever, yeah. whatever it might be. There's contingencies everywhere, but at the same time, you know, I have an appreciation for every department. Totally. Yeah. And if, if the process, if you if you're an actor, you try pulling focus for a day too, right? Like, Oh yeah. That yeah. shit is oh, hard. Yeah. 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 Oh yeah. Yeah. There's really, there aren't many easy those, those jobs. Macro on lenses. Yeah. yeah. You gotta, it's <laughs> yeah. tight. It's yeah, tight for sure. Amazing. Um, <sighs> yeah. So I, I, I guess what's, what is the, a couple of like technical tidbits is sure. it it's free and it's for anyone it's, like yeah any it's age absolutely group, any... free i okay. mean we we really what we encourage um you know members of the lgbtq plus community to come out indigenous youth people of color we encourage new filmmakers we encourage film you know people with disabilities um, but yeah it is wide open to everybody and the one thing that we bring that i think is an intangible that a lot of other training pro- programs don't offer is that cultural side, mm. yeah, you know, we're we're bringing you know you know thousands of years of renewal and resonance and protocol to the table. Uh, we're bringing that consideration. We're bringing those stories. We want to hear from the elders in the territories we work in. Mm. Um, one of the labs that was produced last year was a story about um, this uh, prophecy of the Silk People, which are the Okanagan people of Penticton, uh, which is this um, you know it's kind of. Um, this prophecy that there's going to be a food shortage in the future. They call it the third shaking of the earth. And the students, they, they wove that narrative into their narrative lab and they made a uh, sort of a chase sequence about this dystopian world where this young girl is trying to feed her family. And, you know, to activate that, to go to a deeper level, then let's just make, you know, some cool, crazy, you know, zombie movie or whatever. Right. If you can add some cultural yeah. resonance that comes from the territory we're doing this in, we're going up to 
Treaty 8 territory in, in Grand Prairie. We're going to do our best to, you know, collaborate with the, with the Métis settlements that are in the area, the Cree communities, the Dene communities, and see what we can come up with. You know, we really want to make this uh, a memorable experience for everyone who's involved. And, you know, we want to keep expanding on it because, I mean, I think every single filmmaker has a place in this narrative lab structure. Mm-hmm. You know, it sounds like it. I never, I, I didn't consider the fact that, I mean, even the established filmmakers as instructors are learning as well. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And, um, you know, this team up there, uh, CIA Solutions, they're a production, they do a lot of corporate video, they do music mm-hmm. videos and stuff like that, but they're really excited to, I think they must have looked up some of um, Aaron's work and some of other facilitators work and they're really excited to learn a bit more from from the people that we're bringing to the community kind of as participants yeah kind yeah. of yeah That's you great. know and i mean i'm i mean it's a dream for me because i get to learn all the time right, right, yeah. right you know i get to sit in and hear other people's techniques and how they you know how they sequence out you know scenes and how they you know how they handle you know complex blocking and lighting and it's mm-hmm. it's a real it's a real treat to just be in that environment where everyone's you know contributing to the same cause, sharing knowledge, and you know showing showing these young people, these new filmmakers, why they love what they do mm. as a storyteller, as a filmmaker. So this is happening next week, right? Next week, yeah. yeah July fourth is our orientation day, and then we go into like broad. Uh, workshops throughout the day on the 5th. And then at the end of the evening on the 5th, we do like a draft. Right. So it's like a random draw for the teams. And then at the end, once they have their teams, they come up with a team name. There's some exercises we do to get them oriented with each other. And then we hand out the genre assignments, the lines of dialogue, right. the, the undertone, all that fun stuff. Is it going to be documentary at all? Or is it all? It's all narrative. All narrative. narrative. Cool. It's all narrative. So I think this year we're, we're going to focus on a comedy piece, a, an action sequence right. and a uh, horror cool. situation. Great. Right. So we'll see what happens. <laughs> yeah. That's I love, I love that. It's kind of a, like you say, you save yourself some time. If you, when it comes to four years of film school, it's kind of all compressed. Like it's got the 48 hour film challenge feel to it. The film festival side of things, the awards, it's very fun. Yeah, and the education cool. just to kick it all off. Of course, it's it's yeah. so, so smart. Yeah. Um, so what if what if I'm listening to this and I can't make it next week? Is there is there? Oh yeah, we're we're expanding. I mean, next year we're hoping uh, to work with with Telus and the communities that they want to go to. They've identified um, Fort McMurray, Red yep. Deer, uh, Lethbridge, Medicine. You know, these are uh, the the smaller cities that you know, not the Calgarys, the Vancouver's right, of course, or the Edmontons. Um, and they just really want to get you know those communities excited about filmmaking process learn more about the story hive envelopes of funding there's mm-hmm. so many great opportunities there true yeah. um, and i of course i love supporting anybody who gets one of those grants yeah. like i'm i'm like i'm here to support those initiatives i right. want to make sure that those those particular filmmakers are successful they learn something um you know they're they eventually execute what they set out to do in their pitches um i'm just you know i'm a proponent of uh, of the film community, both in British Columbia and Alberta. But, you know, now that I'm back here uh, full time, I'm really pushing for, uh, you know, more collaboration, more capacity building. Um, I love that CSIF is, you know, doing the, what is it? The club program. Yeah. Is the that, clubs. Yeah. No, yeah. I, there's always been the script club. But They've got a call for clubs, new clubs yeah. now. New clubs, yeah, that's yeah. great. Yeah. yeah. I love to see that kind of stuff. Yeah. Sure, yeah. yeah. You know? yeah and it's yeah. like you said, it's like we kicked it off with right. Just creating community. 
Yeah. That's really all it's about. To get, yeah, yeah, to get totally. Off, yeah. Totally. Yeah, no, I love, I love all of this stuff. And, yeah. and the crazy thing is it's all rooted by the same intention, and that's the spirit and intent of our treaty. Our treaty is Treaty 7. Um, you know, we wouldn't be here if it weren't for that treaty, you yeah. know, because right at that time, it was a very tumultuous time. 1876, Custer and the 7th Cavalry were wiped out by the, the Sioux Nation at Little Bighorn in southern Montana. And there was a sovereignty issue between the Americans and the Canadians. This was still established as the Northwest Territory right. at yeah, the time. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, if there wasn't a Blackfoot Treaty, I really honestly think that the Americans would have sacked the Redcoats. There was tension there. The American whiskey traders were uh, running amok um, with both settlers and indigenous communities. Um, there was a lot of violence at that time. Fort Whoopup is an example. The name itself, Whoopup, was because of the, the amount of violence that was happening in that area because of whiskey traders, the interaction with you know indigenous people who hadn't had access to alcohol at the time, hence the fire water right. narrative. I mean, if you go thousands of years without this type of... Um, you know, experience intoxication, right. inebriation of your senses, motor skills, you know, it's an explosive situation, sure, especially yeah. when there's so much violence, hmm. colonial violence happening at the time. Right. I mean, there's a movie there. Like I love, I'm a huge fan of gangs of New York, you know, the right. yeah, 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 film. Yeah. there's a whoop up film right. waiting Version, to happen. Yeah. There's a crazy story there. Um, and I mean, there's such a rich, crazy history here, even pre-colonial history, these creation stories, these trickster stories, mm. There's fantasy options there. There's like just so much richness in this part of the world that, you know, we as producers and storytellers, we got to, we got to get on it. And mine it, yeah. I, I'm, I'm totally a hundred percent into collaborating with uh, other, other producers and filmmakers. Cool. You know, my time is limited, yeah. but at the same time that, you know, I, that's why these capacity building initiatives are so important. We need more voices. Yeah. Right. There can never be enough voices because there's too many stories, not enough voices. Mm. That's what I see. We haven't even talked about elder in the making and, and we're, we're out of time here, but, but it's, where can people see that? Where can people see more of your work? What's the, what's the place to go? Yeah, Elder in the Making is now, it's available on Telesoptic oh, cool. On Demand. You can, if you have Telus TV, you can just punch that in and awesome. watch it there. Um, it's available on Telus' YouTube channel. You mm -hmm. can watch it there. A lot of schools are licensing that film, uh, probably thousands of schools wow, at this point. Because, you know, it was always designed and intended to be an education piece. Right. So it's in six chapters so for, you know, teachers who can't, keep their kids sitting for 90 minutes. Right, right. You know, they can watch it in 20, 15, right. 20 minute segments. And some discussion around it. So that's a film I think everyone should see. That's that's a first step in a big journey. Like right. We need more uh, voices in that conversation about our history. And, you know, that, that's what I want to see. I want to see, um, you know, more people embracing our history. It's dark. It's tricky. Right. You know, it's it's contentious across the board. But that's what's going to make us stronger as a community is to embrace that. You know, like in, I believe, I've never been to Berlin, but from what I understand, a lot of the, you know, the war monuments of, of the, and, and the, the rubble from the First and Second World War are maintained there. as reminders that, yeah. you know, this is our history and this is something right. that we must embrace. Right. Lest and, we forget, right? Yeah. yeah. Lest yeah. we forget. Absolutely. hundred percent. And speaking of that, you know, I have this other film uh, that I produced called Cree Code Talker. We won, and we actually won the Hot Docs pitch competition a few years ago. Right. The short pitch come with Bravo, Bravo Factual. And this is a, a film about the Cree speaking Code Talkers who fought uh, in France, Normandy. 
and they were able to relay messages in the Cree language that the Germans could not decode. Uh, right. This was declassified in 1968, you know, almost 20 years after the fact, after the war was over. And uh, these were Canadian infantry soldiers fighting for the American Air Force. Wow. So it was buried. It right. was absolutely buried. And until the Navajo Code Talker story came out about Iwo Jima and Japan, right. um, that's what actually prompted the one, one of the surviving Code Talkers to say, hey, wait a minute, we did this as well as Canadian infantry soldiers oh. fighting for the American Air Force hmm. in Europe. So they came out, a member of the Smithsonian came up to Northern Alberta to record this story and we got a hold of that tape 10 years later. He had passed away after that time. And we made we pitched this at Hot Dogs wow. a few years ago. We won first place. We won $30,000 grand prize. And we put that towards production of this film, awesome. which is through Bravo, APTN. And that, that too is also available online if you look it up, Cree cool. Code Talker. Awesome, awesome. What about you? Is there? A, do you have a website? Do you have a social media? Uh, yeah, I got all the social media stuff, yeah. you know, Instagram, and I don't have like a full-on website. I mean, the funny thing with me is I'm always in production. I'm mm. always working on something. And I get booked all over the place to right. come speak about, you know, Red Talks, reconciliation. There's so many conversations out there that need to be had. And I'm one of the few people that kind of permeates all of these worlds. Um, you know, it's, it's tough. It's a big juggling act for me. I don't have all the answers. Um, but I enjoy um, taking a load off my community, you know, as an order, as a public person. I don't mind taking that response because a lot of people, you know, it's hard for them. It's traumatizing. And I don't mind being in the heat of it all, talking mm -hmm. to academics, you know, being interviewed uh, on TV shows and whatnot, being in front of big crowds. I don't mind that place because I've got the tools and skill set and mindset that's been provided to me by my people, by my culture to to move through that in a healthy way, in, 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 a, in a clear, almost clairvoyant way, because I know that if we all really get on the same page with this this treaty, the embracing of the treaty, which is another project I worked on last year at the Stampede Grandstand show. We'll get into that some other time. <laughs> but it was all about, you know, this this short video about That's the treaty. where I saw it. I saw that last year. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I was right. telling Matt about it. I couldn't remember right. where I'd seen that video, but it was fucking incredible. Nice. Oh, nice. Yeah. So we're to swear on this one. <laughs> yeah, we are. We okay. are. Yeah. Awesome. But only well, if we mean it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know that was a yeah. beautiful piece because uh, we had an elder who actually spoke in the land in Blackfoot. Yeah. And there was no English translation was, on the wow. screens because yeah. rarely do you ever just listen to the language. Yeah, right. it was it was so powerful. And right. that's how yeah. it started. Love yeah. it. And it went right into these, like, Aaron's really proud of that work. He right, shot right. that. And it's like this huge, I don't know, like 300 foot screen. Yeah. You did tell me about this and I never, I missed it. Is there a way to see it now online? Uh, I don't think they've published it. I don't, huh. They might be doing something with it again this year. I'm okay. not entirely, I'm not on the team this year. Um, but that was a great opportunity to take that. That's, I think that's Alberta's biggest stage, that grandstand yeah, show, yeah. 25,000 plus people a night. Yeah. yeah. And it was, it was a great experience for me. I loved working with Dave Pierce and his team. And uh, I'm, I'm really glad that they took, the initiative to get that mess, my message, which yeah. is all of our message, you totally, know, yeah, yeah. I mean, this is the alignment of intention that I, I hope to see before I die here in treaty seven. Um, but that was a, that was a really cool opportunity to, to, to go to a place, a space, which is very much about, you know, a fantasy about cowboys who better, right. to, who better person to go in there <laughs> like a Trojan horse and speak this truth, a native person, indigenous person named Cowboy, of all, of all things. Yeah, so that was a fun project, though. Really. Well, I it's it's clear that you are on a very important mission, and I'm I'm glad that we get to share a piece of that, and, and I hope people... You guys, too. I really... I, I'm a Thank fan you. of your podcast. Yeah, yeah. This is great. I'm glad you guys are highlighting some of the great people in our community. For sure. 
Uh, big shout out to to Deetra, who mm-hmm. you had on yeah. as well. Yeah. She's, so good. She's one of my favorite humans. She has the same uh, birthday as my son. Oh, is that right? Aaron's partner. Nice. They're getting married in yeah. the fall yeah. time. So <laughs> it's great to hear from, you know, my peers, my friends. And I love hearing what other people are going through because, you know, I want I want people to succeed. And whatever project they're working on, I want them to succeed. Sure. And I don't think we we embrace that enough, you know. Like that's going to be the advantage that we have over every other community in North America, if not the world, if we do find alignment of our intentions mm-hmm. and really support each other, because there totally. is no competition in this, right? That's the power in it. For Good sure. story, yeah. well told. Should sport, never yeah. have competition. Totally, yeah. you're right. It is a team sport. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. That was great. Thanks, Thanks guys. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Alrighty, and now on to the news you can use, brought to you by Bleeding Art Industries, uh, and they are uh, joining us again this week with a tip. Uh, this one is all about knowing your audience. Knowing your audience can mean the difference between success and failure for your film project, and for this reason, Culture Track, the groundbreaking new survey of Canadian cultural consumers that explores the unique perspectives of, sorry, the unique proclivities of Canada's audiences, is well worth a read. Initiated by the, uh, the Canadian Council for Business and the Arts, this study is the first of its kind in more than two decades. What? <laughs> Based on interviews with more than 6,400 culture goers from coast to coast, it looks at how Canadians define and interact with the arts, providing critical insight into their motivators, deterrence, preferences, and more. Our favorite is, while fun, novelty, and escape are desired attributes of a cultural experience, relevance is a precondition for success. Audiences won't consider participating if they don't feel connected to the content or the experience. Read it at businessandarts.org slash culture track. I'm going to read that. Yeah, that sounds cool. That sounds very cool. I had no idea about that. I had no idea about that either. Thanks, Bleeding Art. Yeah. Uh, okay, upcoming deadlines. Uh, the Edmonton Short Film Festival is accepting submissions. Uh, the early, early bird deadline is coming right up June 30th. Uh, you can find out more at filmfreeway.com slash Edmonton Short Film Festival. We talked about this a little bit. Uh, films no longer than 15 minutes are eligible to screen in the competition, regardless of genre or completion date. Uh, open to Alberta residents, and they have a 360-degree component. Uh, if you want to know more about the festival, check out our recent episode uh, with the creators of the festival. Yes. Uh, yeah, Film Freeway is where you can find out more about that. Yeah, and check out FemWave, a feminist arts festival now accepting a- applications for their film festival. Uh the 2018 edition is scheduled to take place across various venues in, in Calgary from November 15th to 18th. And uh, they do require that at least one of your key creative leads, uh, meaning your producer, director, or writer, identifies as a woman, trans, or non-binary. As long as your team isn't compromised solely, uh, solely of cisgendered males, please submit. Um, FemWave will pay every artist, which is very cool. And uh, FemWave aims to be accessible and inclusive, so if you require any assistance with your application, please uh, reach out to them at film at femwave.com uh, and they will help you with your submission, which is very cool. Uh, that due date is actually uh, July 1st, so coming up very soon. So check it out. Uh, femwave.com slash apply. And of course, Story Hive Documentary Filmmaker Edition is now open. Uh, if you're a documentary filmmaker, this edition is your chance to shine. For the first time ever, there's an edition just for factual content and they are giving away $50,000 to create a short documentary that's uh it's an incredible amount of money for um for a project of that length um, but of course documentaries can be quite expensive to make uh so successful creators will also receive of course customized career training uh and mentorship and distribution on the tells platforms all the things that come with the story hive 
program. They're fantastic. Uh, and applications are cl- uh, closing pretty quickly here. Next Tuesday, July 3rd at noon Pacific time uh, is your last chance to get that project submitted. So um, it's, it's probably one of the, probably the best opportunity to make a, a short documentary that we've ever had. In yeah, no doubt. That's <laughs> right? a good point. Yeah. Um, so a lot of money. It, it's a lot of money. Uh, and, and, you know, they're giving it away to more people than would normally be be able to access this kind mm-hmm. of money. So mm-hmm. uh, if you haven't started your application uh, because you're a procrastinator like us, not that we're playing, but um, you, sh- you should get started now. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and if you have a uh, silent one minute film, the Got A Minute Film Festival is looking for you. The submission deadline is uh, July 5th. And if you're a FAVA member uh, or youth, uh, you can submit for free. Uh, non-members can submit for $15. And uh, these are uh, going to be appearing... All over the Patterson or Patterson one step, uh, like the Patterson, yeah, like the advertising, advertising yeah. Uh, at uh, thank you at uh, the transit. I'll just uh, say the words that you say back at you. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, so that means that they're going to be appearing kind of in train stations, and uh, you know, Ed- Edmonton has uh, quite an extensive underground uh, subway system. Oh, uh, uh, really? Yeah. So oh, I didn't know that. Uh, so there's screens there, and people will be enjoying your films, your silent films, uh, on those screens, which is very cool. We have sort of an underground station here now. Is there? Yeah, on, on the 69th line uh, at, uh, what's the mall there? Uh, Glenbrook Mall or, or what? Uh, oh, Westbrook West Mall. Westbrook? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, That's there's, right. there it's must... kind of underground I've never been down there, but yes, there is a station there. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, uh, ha. But there's also the Sky <laughs> Station. Yeah, Chicago, which, is very cool. which is right before the underground one. <laughs> yeah, so you can, <laughs> right. yeah. That's a crazy line. Yeah, anyway. there's nothing like yeah. that. In old, well, Edmonton does go over the over Yeah, the Edmonton's got some killers. Yeah, for I sure. I guess some, Calgary must do that. Yeah, of course, yeah. Where? Uh, just past the uh, past the zoo to go right, yeah. and then and right. then of course um, going up to Crowfoot and and Royal well, Oak Station it goes over yeah, the, yeah, over like the river yeah like, yeah like yeah, yeah. 10th Street Bridge kind of thing. Right. Uh, anywho, Luma, uh, which is the Film and Media Art Quarterly for Western Canada, um, is now accepting pitches and previously unpublished finished works that aim to expand critical dialogue about media art and film. Um, of course, preference being given to Western Canadian writers and topics. Uh, you know, formats can include anything from critical essays or news to reviews, event previews, interviews, reflections, and photo or video essays. Uh, and some of those have, have been really quite awesome. So um, there's a $200 honorarium for it, and the deadline to apply for that is July 15th. Uh, and this issue that they're, that they're accepting submissions for will be published in November. So if you've got something coming up in November, uh, or you, you think your content might be relevant at that time, uh, it's forward thinking, but uh, something that you should be doing. Uh, and you can find out more at lumaquarterly.com. Absolutely. Uh, and as we jump into workshops, we just told you all about Norfolk Labs, but just in case uh, you uh, didn't catch it all, uh, the uh, condensed version of all that uh, wonderful information that we got from Cowboy is that there will be this wonderful uh, Norfolk Narrative Labs taking place in Grand Prairie from July 4th to 8th. And uh, it it's it kind of all culminates. It's you know it's instruction, but then you actually make a film, and it culminates in like a screening and an awards night, which is very cool. That so, is super cool. Um, I believe it's free, uh, and so uh, yeah, that's very exciting. And StoryHive is one of the the supporters. Sponsors, of it, yeah, which yeah, is yeah. Very cool. So if you want to sign up, you can check out the Facebook event or email Cam at p a r e l n u t t a l l at hotmail dot com. Pair. Peril Nutel? Nutel? I'm sorry if I got that wrong. <laughs> I'm sure you did. <laughs> I'm sure I did too. Um, yeah, we'll also have the, the information in the show notes on yes, how course. you can reach out. Uh, and you can you must ask the question, the reason I want to learn more about filmmaking is... Oh, right, yes. 
Uh, we talked about this last week, but uh, IATSE is putting on a firearm safety level one course taught by Greg Ock, who is kind of the armorer. He's, he's the man. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's teaching all about um, safety and uh, everything involving projects involving firearms. So it's not just for um, armorers. Of course, this is great for production managers, actors, technical directors, stage managers, props, uh, boom ops, dolly grips, camera operators, still photographers, and assistant directors. So this is all going down on July 7th at 9 a.m. Uh, it's a one-day course. Uh, it's only 40 bucks, uh, and you can find out more at iatsi212.com. Uh, the color theory workshop that we've been talking about is, of course, still taking place. Uh, it's happening on uh, July 8th at 10 a.m. Uh, Gail Kennedy and uh, Kalina Conrad uh, are instructing, and it's happening at the IATSE, um, the wonderful instruction space that they have there. Yeah. Uh, members of IATSE uh, are uh, able to attend for $20, and permits uh, permittees are able to attend for $40. I don't know if it is open to the public, uh, if you're not a permittee or member of, the, of IATSE, but it's going to be a cool uh, discussion around color, um, and light and subtractive and additive and, and pigment and color theory and all that good stuff. Um, it might be a topic that you haven't thought much about, but might be a surprisingly powerful tool to have in your toolkit as a filmmaker. So check it out. Certainly. Yeah. Uh, this, the Calgary society of independent filmmakers is hosting two different summer media arts camps. Um, and those are happening, uh, for one week, Monday to Friday. And it's happening. The first one's Monday, July 9th for that week. And then the second one is Monday, August 13th for that week. Uh, they're full day nine to five camps, uh, and the registration for the July one is coming right up July 4th. So, uh, it's $320 for members, students, and non-members. Uh, and the point is to introduce youth ages 15 to 18 to the filmmaking process. Great introductory workshop. Um, if there's, you know, a teenager in your life who uh, you think might like it or who has expressed an interest in filmmaking, this is absolutely uh, a, a great place to to get them started and really dig into it. So you can find out more at csif.org slash workshops slash camps. Cool. Uh, there is uh, another IATSE uh, hosted event happening. This one called the Introduction to Sound uh, Film and Television. Um, so it's a one-day workshop jam-packed looking at the process of sound recording. Uh, and the day goes from uh, from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. And topics covered will be uh, all around preparing your uh, your first day on set, department responsibilities, and, ha- and getting hands-on with gear. Uh, the course will also provide an opportunity to talk with working sound engineers, share ideas, and ask questions beneficial to anyone wishing to get an understanding of what the sound department uh, does uh, on a film or, or on a TV show. So you can register uh, online. Uh, the link is in the show notes. And the course is open to those that have submitted application uh, to the sound department. So uh, it's uh, really specific, uh, specifically mm-hmm. for IATSE sound right. people. Uh, that's going to be $50 to attend and is happening on the 19th of July. All right. What's going on? It's summer. So production is officially ramping up in Alberta. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd be surprised if there weren't, you know, four to five to six to seven story hive projects shooting yeah. <laughs> like this, this weekend. weekend yeah. Really, next yeah. weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of activity going on through the digital shorts edition. Um, and in the feature film world, uh, Benjamin Ross Hayden's feature, a uh, sci-fi thriller called The Eye of Erm, and Erm is U-R-M, so it might be The Eye of U-R-M, I'm not mm-hmm. quite sure, um, is filming in Calgary. Uh, what else? That's it for feature films, but um, although the, Chris and uh, Chris Ball and, and Kurt Harder and Mike, their, their film is 
Oh, it yeah. just wrapped up, or it's coming up anyway. I have no idea. Yeah, I, let us know, guys, because uh, <laughs> yeah. you got a film, a couple of films shooting this summer. Yeah. So uh, we'd like to share that with the community. Uh, and of course, uh, Tin Star continues its march, and but it will be uh, wrapping on August third. Uh, Black Summer, which is this new Netflix series, uh, going to camera on July sixteenth. They'll be wrapping on September twenty eighth, uh, which sucks because they're they've got some crew members that we <laughs> really want on their on their yeah. crew. And of course, Heartland uh, is going uh, now and it will be wrapping on September 28th, 2018. So if you're hoping to get on a union show in Calgary, those are some uh, great opportunities for you. Yeah. And if you're looking for a, uh, a job, uh, there is an animation and visual effects instructor needed at uh, Red Deer College, specifically around character animation. Uh, the School of Creative Arts is seeking a full-time 9.5 month sessional character anima- uh, animation instructor to teach and develop curriculum in the broad, uh, in the Bachelor of Applied Arts in Animation and Visual. Oh effects right, program. this is their new program that they're. Oh okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. They're doing like a yeah animation and visual effects program at, awesome. at RDC. Awesome. So so it hasn't happened yet. This is like a. This is developing the curriculum for that right. program. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Uh, Super cool job. Yeah. No yeah. doubt. Uh, and so you're going to have uh, obviously the opportunity to kind of create this, uh, help create this program and the and the curriculum around it, um, and facilitate students' ability to employ. Uh, the principles of storytelling into the animated performance of their digital characters. And the instructor will emphasize the importance of story beginning with the foundational courses through advanced, through to advanced courses and the applied work study year. Um, lots more to learn about this project, Certainly, uh, about yeah. this uh, position. Um, so check out the uh, show notes for the link. Um, it is also probably find uh, searchable on uh, RDC's website in their uh, employment section, but the link is in the show notes for you. I heard that RDC was going to become RDU. Oh, really? Yeah, I heard they're applying for university status, and that's the thing that's happening. Wow, cool. Um, that's pretty exciting. That would be good for them. Yeah, especially if they're if they're giving bachelors. Don't right. they? Do they already give bachelors? I don't think they do. Do they? Is it a diploma? Oh, I don't know. Maybe maybe it's already a done deal. Must be. The website is still rdc.ab.ca though. Apparently, so uh, maybe it'll be a process to right. switch that over if that's happening. But um, Red Deer University, interesting. We'll find out as that as that. <laughs> Here we go. March 1st, 2018 in the industry news. Oh, wow. Uh, Red Deer College to become degree granting institution. Yeah. So this just happened in March. I guess they can uh, they can give degrees now, which I don't know if they're going to be changing their name, but uh, that's exciting. That's super cool and well-deserved because that's a great, a great institution for sure. Totally. Uh, okay. Let's get into recommendations. Do you want oh, to yeah, 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 yeah. Do you have some? Nope. All right. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to recommend Queer Eye. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess we did it at the top. Yeah, of the we kind of. I was exactly going to go to. Uh, if you're not watching, uh, I'm dying up here. You should. Uh, it's fantastic. <laughs> okay, well, that's it. That's all for this episode. Um, thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate the support that uh, the community gives us, uh, and we hope that you find support from this podcast as well in the form of knowledge, information, and the ability to connect to the filmmakers that you hear. Um, but of course. You can also, uh, you know, let us know what's going on in your world because this podcast is a tool for the filmmaking community Definitely, to use. Yeah. So if you have something going on, whether you're shooting something or you're crewing up or you've got a casting call or, uh, you know, you just want to take someone up for coffee. We, we actually just had someone reach out to us um, asking for the contact information from someone who was recently on. So, mm-hmm. you know, the podcast does connect the community and uh, you can find out or you can. How can they reach us, Matt? They can reach us. Uh, Email is the best way. Hello at abfilmcast.ca. Uh, and you can also reach us, of course, on the social media platforms, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, SoundCloud. It's all AB Filmcast. And of course, subscribe to the show at uh, on iTunes or on your favorite podcatcher. 
Um, you can just search the Alberta Filmmakers Podcast. And if you could give us five stars on uh, any of those sweet. platforms, that would be helpful. That would be sweet. Uh, huge thanks to Briar for putting the news together for us every week. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chad and Britt, who did the music and the uh, the artwork, respectively. And, of course, Seth, who, uh, who cuts these episodes together for us. Indeed. And a final thanks to our final sponsor, the Alberta Post-Production Association. Uh, have a listen to their sweet, sweet-sounding message. And uh, once you're done listening to that, go, go make, make something. The Alberta Filmmakers Podcast is proudly sponsored by APA, the Alberta Post-Production Association. APA represents technical and creative professionals working behind the scenes in editing, sound, and visual effects. Our members live here in Alberta and support producers with expertise in picture editing, color grading, graphic design, compositing, audio post, music scoring, and so much more. For more information about post-production, visit APA online at albertapost.org.